Welcome to Green Eggs and West Ham. I'm Chris W. along with my co-host Chris S. This podcast is dedicated to providing lighthearted, concise analysis on everything concerning West Ham. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to Greenings and West Ham. This week, we've got lots to talk about in in this episode. We'll start with our three most recent games, uh, Tottenham, Man City Cup game, and Ashton Villa. uh, Quite the game over the weekend. So I'm definitely going to cover all three of those in depth and then uh, dive into more on, there's been a lot of talks on ownership uh, and um, some minority stakes and majority stakes in the club. And so we're going to cover that and give a little bit more detail uh, based on some reports coming out today as well. And then also um, look at forward and look at the game. So we've got a game tomorrow uh, coming up in the Europa League and then uh, this Sunday with Liverpool. So uh, Chris, start us off with a good recap on uh, we've got Tottenham. We played Man City in the cup game and then we just played Ashton Villa. Uh, What do you think of the overall performance? Was there a standout performance in any one game? Just give me your your overall on that. I think the kind of the standout of that is just the team spirit. I mean, we played... Um, very different lineups in the, the Premier League games compared to the Cup game, uh, but really didn't didn't miss a step. We played three, three teams that in a normal year we probably would have two losses and a draw from. Uh, I'd say, you know, on average, we, we most likely would lose the Tottenham, almost certainly lose the City, and probably draw, maybe sneak out a win versus Villa, depending on, you know, it could go either way. But we won all three of those games, and, and it was really – you know, it it speaks to the consistency that Moyes has brought to the team that even the substitutes that typically play in the cup games, you know, kind of the, not the substitute, but kind of the second teamers really give their all. And still, we don't have to completely change our system when we do that. Yeah. And I, I would say with the Man City Cup game, it, you know, great to meet Man City. Um, pretty shocking, I think, result in that previously would not have expected that. However, when you look at the games we've lost this season, you know, 1-0 to Man United. Um, and then, I mean, Man United, we even beat them the next game too. So the fact that we just beat Man United, we beat Man City, you know, we've got Liverpool coming up Sunday, we beat Tottenham. Like all these high profile games, I I think it's, it's incredible how the team's doing, not just in Premier League, but like you said, fielding our second, quote unquote, second team, but they're still pretty darn good. And they're matching up clearly to Man United and Man City. Um, so to me, that was the big significance of that Man City Cup game was, yeah. we, you know, we're, we're toe-to-toe with them, not only Tottenham, not only Man United, but Man City as well. Well, and the, I'll say the difference, the difference for me this year is that we're much more consistent defensively. You know, I thought out of those three games, I thought we created good – we, we played brilliantly offensively against Villa. I thought we created some really good chances against City. And, but I, I didn't think we had our best offensive performance against Tottenham, but we still pulled out the win. But the consistent, we, we literally get, we gave up one goal in three games worth of football against those clubs. And even like Man City, we played primarily our second team. They played kind of a mix of their first team and second team. And we still won that game. Just like well, the, and- the Man City game earlier where we played our second team in the cup against man or sorry man united man united they played they played kind of a hybrid of their first and second team and we beat them again it's just that that was something i wanted to touch on is the man united game specifically and man city as well like you said it's a mix of their first team like and for man city like de bruyne played i mean there were some really high profile players playing so 
when we're beating these teams and afterwards, you know, their fans will come on and say, Oh, uh, it was our second team or, Oh, we didn't really care about this game. No, they darn well cared about this game and they played some high profile players and we still beat them. So, I mean, that to me, you know, like De Bruyne playing was huge, I think, because, and also, I mean, in the Man United game, it was the same thing where they had, I, I think I saw something like, it was like a $300 million lineup, a million pound lineup. And then for us, it was, you know, 70 million or something like it what? was it, ridiculous. Man City's won this cup, what, five times in a row? There's no argument that they don't care. There's no legitimate argument that they don't care right. about this competition. You you don't win it five years in a row by not caring about it. So, uh, yeah, it's it that was to me that was a display that I I just thought was incredible. Um, you know, I we were the better team in my opinion throughout the throughout the entire day. I mean, I thought Stefan made some really good saves. Um, well, I get to be fair, Ariola made some really good saves too. He, he looked incredible. Um, still, I don't, I think it's, it'd be too tough to drop Fabianski, but man, if we, if, if Fab picks up an injury or, or, or needs to, you know, sit on the bench for a little bit, I, I am, uh, assured that, that Ariola will, will do a great job. Well, and Chris, real quick, uh, think about too, like Sioux Fall got injured. Ben Johnson's mm-hmm. come in and played incredibly you know, yeah, to the we, point we, to the point that I don't know if we could. I don't think he I know, could Johnson. Start, I know, and that's what's insane is Sufal is literally like we were so happy with him. He's such a good right back, and then the fact that you basically can't drop Johnson now is like what. But the other thing too is look at our center uh, center back. So we've got you know Ogbana. We've been playing Zuma, who has played very well. Um, and but I mean, if if one of them gets hurt, you have Dawson, who has also played very well, started for us last year, and you know, is starting in our quote unquote second team. So we've really got, uh, this is not something I thought I'd say last year, but we really do have a strong team and strong secondaries if we need them. Yeah. It's, I was extremely worried coming into the season about our depth, particularly at certain positions. And I still think there are, um, we have been fortunate not to have any major injuries, especially in, I'd say left back and striker are still very thin, but throughout the the season it's shown that we really do have a replacement at every other position that, that is competent and can, and really can just fit in without changing the, changing the beat of our team. And so um, like the, the whole system that Moise has implemented is, is consistent, whether it's our first team or our second team. And even there's a few players that, that aren't really in our first 11 right now that if they keep performing like they are, could kind of force their way into it. Lanzini being one of them, he looked really solid both in the the man city game and coming on as a sub at Villa. What do you think of him? Yeah. Lanzini has impressed me a lot. And I, I attribute that a lot to Moyes, I think because um, he Lanzini had that amazing goal last year, uh, you know, top of everyone's mind, especially as you're playing Tottenham again, but every single time, you know, past that, he didn't really do too much throughout the season, but now, and specifically when Moyes took over, like every single time he comes in as a sub, he's, he's impactful. I would say 99% of the time. Um, we really don't lose a lot of offensive capability when he's like, so let's say we take four nows off for him or something like that. And, and there was, I think I was um, talking to you over that Ashton Villa game where it was um, almost, I, I wanted to change an offense or, or I think it was Tottenham actually, it was like something to change. And, was, and, you know, we were talking about, Hey, like let's bring in Lanzini. Like he's, you don't miss a beat, but it also helps you change up attack and, and it gives you a, um, a fresh player in there. And before it was kind of like, you know, well, you kind of are losing a little bit of offense if you get the fresh player, but now, I mean, I think he fits right in. 
Yeah, he's kind of a to me kind of a blend of Ben Rama and Fornals in a way. He he can carry the ball similar to maybe how you know Ben Rama doesn't isn't necessarily as tricky on the ball, but can carry it well from the midfield, but also has kind of a, a pretty good vision on him like Fornals, getting the you know, making the right passes. And uh, he's been off his game, especially since his injury several years ago. But I, I'm really excited to see if he can become kind of someone that displaces one of our attacking midfielders as you know I, I think they all have played pretty well but that to be able to rotate them in uh game game after game would be really nice yeah I agree um I also think like you mentioned left back we're a little weak on however if we really needed to I do feel pretty comfortable with moving Ben Johnson over there if Gressel got hurt and then having Sioux Fall play on the right so we have coverage there the one I'm worried about is striker um, we could play Bowen up there if Antonio got hurt. We, we've got Vlasic, we've got Lanzini, like you talked about, where they can fill in, but but those two are more, and, and Bowen too, are more like midfield type. I mean, Bowen's played striker for us before, but it's not like a dedicated striker. Yeah, I think with any with any substitute, any of, any of our other players that would fill in for Antonio, you lose something fairly crucial. So with Bowen, you kind of lose a little bit of that hold-up ability that Antonio has the, the kind of strength to hold off the defenders while the play evolves around them, but you still get, you still have kind of the running down the, the channels getting in behind aspect of it. But then you are Malenko, you bring him on, maybe you have a little stronger hold up ability than you would with Bowen, but you really can't beat anyone on the break with your Malenko. And so it's, yeah, it's that one would be the toughest to replace. I think even like it, it, against Villa. I don't think Antonio technically got an assist or a goal, but he was crucial, I think, in all three of the the final three goals. Kind of get, the one where he was basically like, you know, wrestling tackled onto the ground. He still was able to get the pass off to, to kind of, uh, get, I think, get it to Bowen to, to get beyond. And then um, I think he was the one that, that laid it off to Lanzini, who then, you know, hit it across for Bowen to score the final one. So he's even though sometimes it doesn't show up in the final goal or assist, he's so crucial to the way our counterattack runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, that's, we've seen Antonio perform week after week after week, you know, four to one uh, against Villa. And then we beat Tottenham by one, but he had so many chances, I think in that game where he was um, either impactful and opening up the play, or he literally had the ball and was, was taking shots, you know, we've, I mean, we've beaten really good teams and like Villa, we beat four one. And I, I just think our goal production um, would definitely take it, take a back uh, step back. If Antonio was hurt, um, his hamstrings have held up so far. I, yeah. you know, I'm trusting Moyes that he's kind of watching that and he's uh, I don't know, he's been holding up and he's getting subbed off more. So, I mean, they, they seem to be aware of this, not really playing him on a lot of these th- Wednesday, Thursday games, if they can help it. Um, and I think that, yeah, that has helped with them. Let's talk about one player that's kind of gotten a little bit of stick from the fans this season. Uh, a lot of people claiming he's kind of off his game or at least off of the high form that he had last year. And that's, that's Thomas Suchek. Now I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out and, as far and say as he is as good as he was last year, but I think, uh, I really don't think he's playing as bad as people have been, you know, kind of decrying him. I think, you know, obviously the goals have not been there like they were last season. But I think in large part that's because his role has changed, especially as Rice's role has evolved. Uh, what do you think of Suchek? How, how do you think he's been playing? 
Um, maybe what are what are some of the things he might have he might have improved on from last season, or what are some of the things that maybe he just isn't showing as much of? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good uh, question because right now I, I've seen the same thing. I've seen people say, "Hey, Suchek is not as good." It, to me, first of all, he's a defensive midfielder, so I don't think goal production is his number one role in the team. You know, if he was a striker and he hadn't scored any goals, maybe you know, it, it, goals kind of matter a little bit more for Antonio in terms of. Uh, production. However, for Suchek, you're looking at him, you say, okay, well, he hasn't scored as many goals this season. He's not as good. No, no, no. His role to me has changed. We've got a much better attack, I feel like, um, this season. And he, if you look at where he is positionally uh, in terms of with Declan Rice, you know, Declan Rice, when Crystal pushes up, Declan Rice kind of moves into that left back position to cover. Uh, Suchek will either make a run if we've got defensive coverage or a lot of times this season, he's been staying back and kind of being that, um, that middle, middle third player for us, kind of uh, connecting the defense to the offense, you know, if you will. So I I would say it's more of just a role change. It's not bad. It's not that he has played badly. I think he's actually playing pretty well. He's uh, done, I thought very well in his passing, his um, ability to, like I said, connect the offense to the defense. So, uh, yeah, I would say, and and yeah, his goals aren't there from the corners and stuff, but also look, we've got Zuma, we've got, yeah. you know, Dawson who, uh, when, when Dawson is in for Zuma, we've got Ogbonna scored. I mean, you've got a lot of threats, Antonio, obviously. So there's a lot of aerial threats just because Suchek isn't getting the goals, like doesn't necessarily mean, doesn't reflect his performance overall, wouldn't you say? It's almost, and I think <laughs> earlier in the year, we started out poor from set pieces, but we've gotten a lot better. But it's almost as if we're using him on those set pieces as a decoy to to let the Dawson, the Zuma, the Ogbana get a free run on the ball. Uh, and we've still been generating a few goals. So here's a few statistics about Suchek last year to this year. Last year, 2.1 tackles. This year, 2.4 tackles per game. Last year, 1, 1.6 interceptions. This year, 1.2. Uh, he's down on his fouls, down from 1.8 to 1.1. Clearances are almost identical. Uh, dribbled buys are almost identical. So his defensive stats really pretty consistent. Um, his goals are down. That's that is what's down. But let's you know, kind of talking about his his passing, his distribution. The, last year he had seventy five percent passing accuracy. This year that's almost eighty six percent. So over a ten percent increase in pass accuracy, which is tremendous. I mean, like and he's having you know three more passes per game. Uh, and but a lot more of those that are actually on target. So I think yeah, it's it's definitely he's more of that that anchor role in midfield, allowing Rice to kind of be the one that carries the ball forward. Still being a you know still being a little bit of a of a threat It'll, that the defense has to pay attention to on set plays or crosses. But yeah, it's um, I, I'm not super concerned with how he's playing. I know he he would like to be uh, a more consistent goal scorer. He definitely has the ability to be. Um, but within the, the team, I think is still having a lot of success and he's filling the role that the team needs him to. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's the same point with Ben Johnson too, is Ben Johnson's playing really well. Yes. He just got his first goal, which was awesome. Um, but that's not like kind of what you're rating him off of, you know? And so like you mentioned, those stats are improvements from last year. Um, I'm, I'm happy with the way he's kind of fit into the team this year. And like you mentioned the decoy, that's a really good point too. Uh, you know, perhaps teams have defended him more than other people that have actually scored goals like Ogbonna or, you know, um, Zuma in the air. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm happy with his performance so far. <laughs> yeah. So 
let's kind of move on. So we, we've all kind of talked about the games we have played. Let's kind of move forward to the to the games that are upcoming. So tomorrow, as of as of the time we record, we we're going to play uh, Genkin, our fourth game in the group stage. So we've won our first three, pretty commanding position. What do you expect us to look like in this game against Gank? Yeah, so that's interesting. We've been switching around actually quite a few players in terms of our first team, second team. Um, the first team's kind of stayed consistent, but the second team has flipped around a little bit. However, I think now looking at recent games, we've gotten more of a mold and a mesh on how we want to go into the game. So I wouldn't expect too many changes for this upcoming game. Um, it also... I, I anticipate Moyes will stress to the team how important this win is because this win would secure our spot in the group stage. And more importantly, we can rest players in future games. Um, so when we're, you know, the games are a little bit closer together, I should say uh, further in the season, we're, we're actually getting to rest those players, whereas other teams are having to compete and fight for the group stage still. So securing this win tomorrow is huge. Um, so I, I think you're going to see, if we need it, extra subs coming in uh, maybe earlier or more of a first team mentality and first team um, approach to the game. Uh, I It's also tough to differentiate because our second team, quote unquote, has been playing so well that you yeah. really don't see a loss of, of step between the first and second team. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say it's I mean, I think we're going to come out the same way we did Man City, honestly, uh, and I think we're going to take it to them. But what, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we'll have I think we'll have almost a pure second eleven in, um, it, with the exception of where injuries can you know kind of prevent it. If 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 Sioux Falls is good to go, I think he actually starts, um, letting kind of Johnson have the break. So, uh, may, I I think this would be a good opportunity for him to kind of have a rehab match, get a, get some some minutes under his belt. Uh, I think obviously we rest Antonio. Um, I'm not sure if Crow will be back, so that could be a problem. I think, I think one of Suchek or Rice will probably rest in this game. Noble will get the start. Um, I think it is. I I don't think it's crucial to win this one because we really only need one win in our last three. I, I almost think maybe Moyes takes it a little easier this one, especially with a very tough game in Liverpool coming up. Um, but I think so, it, it'll be it good to see players like Lanzini and, and other players that have played well um, continue to get that run out, though. That's interesting. And that's actually a, a point of debate, I suppose. Um, you know, what does Moyes do here? Because Genk right now is bottom of the group. So yeah. it, like I was mentioning before, in my opinion, at least it's better to go for the win here. It's a pretty easy win, I would think. Um you, you can rest players later on. However, like you said, we do have Liverpool, an extremely high-profile game coming up. A win against them would be massive for us right now, uh, and we're already in fourth, you know. So that's it. That's a really interesting debate, and I, I definitely see resting players. Um, the only thing is, to me, it's like Genk is, you know, quote-unquote easy. Uh, we should win tomorrow, so. Yeah, I, it's like I think it's mostly like there's certain particular players I want to rest. Like I, I would really like to give Cresswell a night off because we, mm. he doesn't, um, he's played more of the cup games than a lot of the first team players just because of our lack of depth there. Um, so maybe move Masuaku back to left back instead of an attacking mid. Give him the night off. Obviously, give Antonio the night off, um, and, and let. I, I wouldn't even be opposed to bringing up one of the, one of the, like the under 23s, you know, maybe Aquaflex if you want another mm-hmm. attacking midfielder or 
one of the, you know, I think Ashby has, has kind of featured on, or been on the bench a few times. Some of those, some of those players that might make the bench, but typically don't get on. I'd like to see him get a, get a run out, give him a chance to kind of break in. Well, uh, remind me of the the guy that um came on for right mid. He came on for Bowen, who's really young, and he did well. Uh, was it Dan Chester? Chester, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so you could start him because he, I think, just needs experience, you know. But also, mm-hmm. see, I'm a little bit nervous about going too much, like you were mentioning the U23s, just because like it, we still need to win this game, and and Genk is, yeah, we I, definitely could get the win. I think like one or one like one of them kind of fill it because we we still okay. aren't like. <clears throat> We don't have a full twenty-two man healthy lineup to where we could it could be all senior team players without like if we wanted to rest every single one, I'd be confident with starting like one of them to give mm-hmm. them a chance. Um and, and and that's good motivation for both that player and all the other youth youth team players. If you perform well, you're gonna get a go. I mean, wouldn't it be crazy for your, you know, your per your debut like your first team debut for West Ham, maybe as a you know, as a Europa League game. That would be yeah. pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I think we'll take it serious. Like, I don't think Moyes is going to write it off. I just don't think he needs to start, like, five first-teamers uh, in order to get the result. Yeah. And uh, just kind of going to that Liverpool game, because we touched on it earlier, I, I anticipate, and I think you would agree, we, we'll see the same team that we have. Uh, I think we need to start the same team um, yeah. that we have, that we started against Villa. Uh, it's They've been solid. I mean, there's – even with Sufal coming back, I would – I would definitely make sure he's 100% before we even thought about subbing him in because right now Ben Johnson's doing fine. Yeah, uh, he's actually doing great. But like, I mean, that's that's actually you know, do you bring him in or Ben Johnson's done really well? I think you see, like, I think at this point you Ben Johnson should be our starter for Liverpool. Um, I think first off, yeah, I don't know if Sue Falls fully fit, healthy enough. You know, I think it was a groin injury, which sometimes those can be kind of hard to come back full speed, you know, to kind of slowly incorporate it in. So you don't re-aggravate it. Right. Um, which is why I think like maybe, maybe run him out for one half at Gank would be a good one. Um, but besides that, yeah. You know, it, it'd be very harsh to drop Johnson. Um and then kind of moving on. So that's that's kind of all the, the match-related uh, news about West Ham. There has been some pretty interesting developments since the last time we talked. Rumors of a potential minority stake in the firm or in the club being up for sale. Uh, some, you know, most most people have linked it to a Czech billionaire uh, that by the name of, of Daniel Krasinski that owns, I apologize if I, if I kind of butchered that last name, but, but he owns uh, at least a portion of the Czech club Sparta Prague, which is the kind of the rival club to Slavia Prague, which, which, you know, Suchek and uh, uh, Suchek and Sufal came from, I believe, you know, most recently crawl was from uh, Moscow, but he played at Sparta Prague before that. And so um, pretty interesting, if that is the case, you know, ex WHU employee had some really good uh, insight on that. I won't, you know, kind of repeat that all. That's his all his stuff. But but basically, he said we were, you know, we're looking for someone to buy a minority stake of the club. Uh, th- but there are a few people that that are being considered, and this Czech billionaire is is one of them. Uh, and that based on just kind of the rumors, it seems like he might be the most likely. I'm not positive on that. Um, what do you think, Chris? If if this guy comes in kind of buying a minority stake now with rumors of a potential uh, option to, for maybe it to become a majority stake in the future. 
Yeah. So first of all, I think this is a very positive for West Ham. Uh, the fact that there are other investors that want to come in. Uh, I also think it's clever and smart for the club right now to, first of all, bring in a cash flow influx before January. Um, also to bring in someone that, yeah, maybe we could, he would be interested in taking over the club later. Uh, we've got till March, 2023 is when our owners would uh, are, are free from their financial penalties of selling the club uh, just based on the agreement with the London stadium. So <clears throat> it, I think it's smart now to, to bring in this cash influx. Uh, it also, from what I've seen on reports, it's about 27, 28% of the club uh, of the uh, total ownership of the club and, and total shares that he would buy. So that I, I, the fact also that he's Czech, I think is kind of funny because we just had all these great Czech players come play for us, you know, uh, it's kind of funny, like almost like a Czech national team mentality coming in. But also you mentioned I'm um, Sparta Prague. Like there's some solid players there. And, and we were looking, I believe, I believe it's their striker we were looking enough. Yeah. So if we could somehow develop, um, you know, a, a relationship there. And, and I mean, he previously was uh, a big part of that club. So if we could develop that relationship, I think that'd be extremely positive for us. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be very interesting to have kind of a strategic relationship with a club that is both known for developing youth talent as maybe a pipeline to West Ham, and then also as a kind of uh, training ground for some of our young players. I know it seems like a lot of our recent loan spells to kind of lower league English sides have not turned out very well. Either our our players not getting enough playing time, uh, things like that. So it would be nice to have a more consistent relationship with the club. Uh, where we know we have good talented players, but they need game time uh, against kind of full grown adults might be a good uh, place to send them to. Uh, and I, and I am interested to see kind of, it, it would be nice to get an influx of cast. Like you said, for the January window, I think there are a couple of positions we could get to strengthen the team, um, especially striker being one of them. If, if that link, if, you know, if that were to come around uh, it, that, that player, uh, I think his name is Lozek could be a, you know, a potential target in the, in um, for, for kind of a, a backup role with view of, of becoming a, a starter. Well, and, and one more thing with that, that I think is probably overlooked, uh, but think about he's been this, this Czech uh, owner has been around soccer clubs. Like he's got other investments in uh, specifically from what I see in France. Uh, so he like he had that involvement with Sparta Prague. I mean, it's not just like this guy is, you know, oh, I just want to buy a soccer team, this uh, or a football team, this go around, or you know, I just feel like it. No, like I feel like he's got a, that helps me understand he's got a little bit more management experience with clubs, and I think it could be a positive, not only for the cash influx, but also because it's someone that that has experience coming in compared to just some billionaire, you know, maybe from uh, Saudi Arabia that wants to just buy a club, you know. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty interested to see. It, it seems like he has more funds than David or David Moyes has. I mean, not obviously more than David Moyes has, but more than David Sullivan, Sullivan. has. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be could be nice. And then, yeah, also that that aspect of I, I'm not extremely familiar with the Czech League, but Sparta Prague seems to be one of the kind of the top clubs in there. So it seems that uh, at least there has been some. Um, it, it is at least somewhat well managed, uh, which is which is nice. Yeah. Well, um, Chris, do you have anything else? I mean, we've we covered the three games. We've got two really exciting games coming up. I hopefully, pull out a win against both. If we did against Liverpool, that would be massive. Yeah. Um, we'd move up to third, I believe, as long as depending on the Man City game. But yeah, I mean, tied fourth, it's uh, pretty good, and just a little bit of goal for differential. 
I, I'm pretty happy with where we're at in the season. Oh yeah, and I, I think it's much. <laughs> the games have have become so enjoyable to watch. I mean, just kind of, I think about over a year ago, kind of at the um, the end of two seasons ago and the beginning of last season, it, it was just a little like the the attitude around the club was pretty negative. There there wasn't a lot of hope, and so it kind of tainted the the fandom experience, being able to actually enjoy supporting the club. But this is, you know, we've had a full 180 from that and it's just so much fun to, to turn on, especially now that we get basically almost two games a week uh, with between the cup run and the Europa league, getting uh, those extra games in, I get to, you know, kind of brings a smile to my face twice a week. So uh, I'm really thing enjoying supporting the team. Yeah. The thing that, that, that still brings a smile to my face every time I think about it is two years ago, Coming up against Liverpool, you'd expect a loss. But coming into Sunday, you know, I'm actually anticipating uh, at least a really good performance and a tie, uh, but almost expecting that win now, and that's pretty shocking. You weren't just a couple years ago. It wasn't just expecting a loss. It was let's let's mitigate the number of goals that we give up, which <laughs> is just a yeah. That's not the not the funnest attitude to to have to go into a game with. But yeah, like you, yeah, we, it's almost disappointing if we don't get at least the draw now. So, you know, just a, a lot different feel to the club. Well, uh, that concludes this episode. Uh, we hope the, uh, the games this week go good and uh, come on, you irons. Come on, you irons. <laughs>